Welcome to the Body Positivity Podcast with Diana and Arliss, and we are joined today by the amazing guest, Arsha Fine, and I am so excited to introduce her. She was 39 years old when she was diagnosed with arthritis in her lumbar and was dealing with chronic pain. And even though she had always been fairly active, she needed to make a change. And she decided to walk into a CrossFit gym and her life was propelled toward a different direction. She became very passionate about functional movements and the desire to help people keep themselves moving their bodies. Next stop was becoming a CrossFit trainer. How badass is that? Her interest just kept growing and after doing her first nutrition challenge, her eyes were open to how nutrition and movement supported one another. In 2019, she took the leap and signed up to be a precision nutrition certified coach, double badass, and finally have found a new passion in her life, helping people feel good on the inside and out. Welcome, Arsha. Thank you. Glad to be so here. Glad to have you, well, Arsha. We're so happy to have you. Oh, thank you for having me. So I'll start off with our first question for you, Arsha. This one's a this one's a layup, I think. But what part of your body has been the easiest for you to love? My legs. They, uh, yeah, they're pretty resilient. You know, had some. You know, I got some great, some cool scars where I kept the barbell too close with my deadlifts and scraped off some skin or. <laughs> face plant into, you know, just being a kid and had some injuries, but they're really resilient and they just always bounce back. And um, I would say they're definitely my strongest body part. <laughs> so I'm going to go with my legs and they look nice with short shorts. So, so I hear. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I love, love that. <laughs> and in my follow-up question, which I feel like you just at, ans- at, answered, Sorry, I had to think of the right word. When you look at your legs in the mirror and photos and that sort of thing, is that the body part that you're drawn to and you're like, oh, that looks amazing? Um, yeah, I would say you're freezing up a little bit, a tiny bit. So I would say yes. Like if I'm walking by the mirror, so if you come to my house, I have um, a garage where I have my whole workout set up and the two walls are mirrors. We did not put them up, but prior to her um people before my wife's fitness room aerobics something in there and here on the side and i uh, can see my calves and you know yeah i would say yes i look at my leg i love that That's and awesome. i think that it's cool that you love your legs and that you mentioned that part of what you love about them is the scars and the injuries and that in those you see strength did we did we lose Arsha? Or, Arsha, it might make sense for you to turn off your video. Oh, you're on mute. There you go. Sorry, I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah, it may it that. may be helpful to turn off your video if it turn if it's off like too much. My video. Yeah, I'll do it as well. Okay. Yeah. So, um, did you get the answer to my question about my legs? Yeah, I heard yeah. you say that um, that you have mirrors in your gym that um, are like two walls are the mirrors and that like you also not do get a chance to enjoy and appreciate your legs. Uh, and I had made the comment that 
that I think it's cool that it's a part of your body that you have scars on that you consider to be a part of your body that you love and that you see that strength and resilience. I think that's really inspiring. I, I think of them as like battle battle wounds, you know, like yeah. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit of reef, like, oh, I ran into the reef there that that'll leave a mark or um, I, you know, hit my knee on the box, like doing box jumps. Oh, that's going to leave a mark. And then I have like some nice peacock feathers tattooed on my upper thigh and hip area. So I feel like the decoration is kind of nice too, <laughs> I guess if you want to say. So yeah, yeah my legs. I love that. That's fantastic. And so our follow-up question to that is always, what part of your body has been the most challenging to love? All right. I can, I'm going to hear, I, I feel like I am already can hear the what when I say this. <clears throat> my hair (laughs) so I don't like my hair that much all the time okay let me let me read I always wanted different hair I worked really hard to try to have different hair from like hair relaxers because I wanted to look like you know Janet Jackson and music videos and nobody told me that Janet Jackson had a hair weave if somebody would have told me that it probably would have been a lot easier and less painful um (laughs) But yeah, my hair, I always wanted um, nice, soft, silky, straight hair. So yeah, I mean, sometimes I think, oh, you know, I'm having a good hair day today. I like my hair today. But (laughs) I would say 95% of the time I'm like, I need to do something with this hair. I need to figure out what to do. So I love it more. I know, shocker. So, and it's the weird because it's the one part of my, I always get compliments on it. It could be the worst hair day. And people are like, oh my gosh, you have the prettiest hair. <laughs> I, I don't like it. That's my truth, my honest answer. Well, yeah. thank you for sharing that with us. <laughs> um, and I think that one of the things that is so important in what you're saying is that even though you're getting a lot of outside positive affirmation from other people about this body part of yours, that you still dislike it because of the feelings and thoughts that you have about that body part. And an example of how important it is, how we are thinking about ourselves and how that's even more important than what we receive from the outside. I think also it has to do, I mean, I, so I'm a, I'm biracial and my dad, my dad was black. My mom's white and I got his hair. I got the, you know, I got ethnic hair. I got black hair. And so, but when I was growing up, like I, I grew up in a predominantly, I grew up in a very, like mostly suburban white areas. So there wasn't anybody who looked like me. And when I went to hair salons, all I saw was like Vogue and Elle magazine and like, you know, teen magazine and stuff like that. Whereas, you know, I wasn't like really exposed to like Essence magazine or Ebony where I saw people that looked like me. And the only people that might have looked like me were like Halle Berry, you know, I mean, Vanessa Williams, but they all had straight hair styles. So I always wanted to look like what I saw in the magazines, which was, I guess I'm a Gen Xer. So in the 80s, it was, you know, Cindy, um, Cindy Crawford. And then you had like Kate Moss. So all the models, I mean, unless they had like a spiral perm, but those didn't last long. They all had straight hair. So that was my, de- that's how I defined beauty was, you know, if you had straight, beautiful blonde hair 
And, you know, it's changing. I think moving to Hawaii actually helped me a lot. I was like, oh my gosh, look at all this hair of the Polynesian hair. And it's got curls and waves and, you know, texture to it. So I, I'm slowly at 47, almost in a couple of months, like I'm beginning to embrace my hair just a little bit more. Arsha, thank you so much for sharing that. You know, I really do resonate with like growing up in a neighborhood that nobody looks like you. So I'm, I'm Filipina and I grew up in like a mostly predominantly white Jewish neighborhood. And so nobody looked like me also. And I, I know what you're talking about in terms of like seeing certain people who look a certain way in the magazines and around you and feeling that that defines a standard of beauty. Um, yes, I definitely like resonate with that. And I think, you know, you, you, there are definitely still signs of it that are present for for all of us, like in our reality, in our preferences, and then even in just in the world at large. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and it, it like gives a lot of um, weight and value to the movement for greater representation and an understanding that like representation really matters that yes when we when we have that like one singular way of looking at things it, it doesn't really reflect the truth and the richness of culture and beauty that's available to all of us 100 percent agree yeah i mean i think the most exciting thing um just a funny i mean it's kind of interesting but my husband and i went on a trip to the Bahamas, uh, I think it was in 2019. I don't know, that year is kind of a blur. Maybe it was 2018 uh, for his work. And I'd never been in the Bahamas before, but I mean, everywhere around me was like beautiful black hair. It was like, this girl had her hair like this long and it was like dyed pastel pink. I'm like, Ooh, I want that. And then I see these really pretty braids and cornrows like, Oh, I want that. It's like, I need to get my hair done, <laughs> in the Bahamas, but there wasn't enough time. So, but yeah, I think for that, it was like being so aware of all these, I've never seen so many diverse, black, beautiful hairstyles on so many men and women um, around. And so it really opened my eyes to be like, you know what, I, you know, maybe my hair's not so bad. Maybe, maybe I'm good. So I'm working on it. Yeah. I think there's like a lot of healing that goes into that, that we don't even realize, you know what I mean? And it's only when we have these experiences or it's like, whoa, I had that standard. I like, didn't even realize it. Yeah. Thing, you know, it's a lot, it's a, it's a healing journey, I think, um, from a lot of that childhood stuff. And for me, at least like that, that belief that I wasn't enough because I didn't look like, you know, the Cindy Crawford or the Kate Moss or, yeah. Um, like Julia Roberts was like who I, for whatever reason, I was like, I want, oh, yeah. I actually called myself Julia. I had my parents try to, I tried to convince them to call me Julia. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah. I, love like, it. I just wanted to be anybody but me. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I do. Um, I totally know what you mean. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yes, hair. Yeah. Yeah. Hair. yeah. Thank you for And, and what's interesting. That. From my perspective, because I had the hair that most people say that they want, right? Because I'm a natural blonde, and um, and when I was younger, my hair was totally straight. You know, I never had to straighten it or anything like that. 
And as soon as I was able to have control over the hair color that I had, I dyed it. And I went away from that as soon as I possibly could because I, yeah, I didn't like the stereotype or the stigmas that were associated with being a blonde, especially a blonde woman. So it's interesting, isn't oh, yeah. it? Yes. Like perspectives. I mean, I could probably sit here and rattle off a hundred blonde jokes because I was told them <laughs> my whole life. Right. Yes. Yes. I would never know that you're a blonde. You look, wow. See, you, you just, you're so fiery. Like I would never, I would, yeah, red hair just suits you so well. I would never have known that. Thank you for sharing. That was a shocker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that we all have stories about our hair. I feel like honestly, in many ways, it shapes a form of our identity. Uh, our hairstyle, yes. the texture, the color, all of those different things that our hair cut. Like I know that, you know, for me also, like when it comes to hair, I, it was when I, when I got burned out in 2017 while working as a chef, that was when I made the decision to cut my hair short. And I've, I've had short hair ever since. And lately I've been growing it longer. And I, I think there's also something existential about the fact that I'm letting it grow longer. You know, it's like, like as if I'm finding a new identity between some of the places I've been in the past kind of thing. It's so, it's so interesting. I had no idea that this, that we would have the hair in common like that. I thought that <laughs> you just never know where it's going to go. It's awesome. Absolutely. So describe to us one of your self-love or self-care practices that you know really works for you and really gets you in touch with with loving yourself um i would say there's two the first one is going and to the crossfit gym and working out with just working out with the community and the people if i'm feeling if i wake up in the morning i'm like oh i'm just so you know start negative talk i'm this i'm not whatever i walk into the gym we're all doing our stretches, you know, getting right. We're looking at the wad, like, oh, I can do this. Or, you know, how can I make it so I can do this? And by the time I'm done, you know, I feel great. I, I feel great mentally. I feel great physically. And I'm like, okay, you know, my body feels good. I feel good. Like, yeah, I'm kind of badass. Like that, that's my, that's kind of my journey <laughs> on mornings. And then the other one, I think, would say is putting my snorkel mask on on my fins and just getting out in the water and looking at the fish and the just everything in the ocean and getting weightless. It gives me an idea or it gives me a chance to float and um, kind of washes everything away. You know, um, I don't know how to explain that where you just, I always feel lighter when I come walking back onto the beach. Yeah. I hear that. I love that. So I imagine that during COVID, like you couldn't do as much of the CrossFit gym. Were you doing a whole lot more of the snorkeling? So during COVID and lockdown, I for a year and a half did CrossFit workouts in my garage by myself and recording them and posting them to my story. It was, I think the way I'm a really social person. I really like people. I like being around people. So when the CrossFit gym and everything in the shutdown happened, it took away 
like it, it kind of felt suffocating in a little in a, a way because you know I was no longer around people <laughs> in a in like no there weren't any more hugs or how you doing or fist bumps or handshakes or any of that and so I really I did struggle I mean I, you know you, I went through like you know I wanted to be back at the gym. I wanted to be working out with people. I wanted to be coaching people. I started coaching people online and that became my uh, social interaction, but it wasn't really, it's still not really quite the same. So COVID was rough. I think the only, the tool that I used to (laughs) give me a little bit of peace of mind was my phone. My phone recording my workouts was like my coach kind of sitting there saying, you can keep going because it was like an eye that was looking at me. And then I would post to my story, like, you know, stay at home orders, you know, home gym workouts. And I did that for over a year along with Ocean. (laughs) That sounds really inspiring. I imagine that the people that saw your stories and saw you doing that were really inspired to see your dedication to caring for yourself during a time when we all had a really good excuse to stop doing those types of things. I mean, I I don't want to say good excuse because really that excuse is, is really the opportunity to step more into those things. But a lot of people let those things go for various reasons and you found a way to make it a priority for yourself. Yeah, it, yes, it was the, it, because it is a positive thing in my life and it's brought so much positivity to me, like by the people I meet and everything and just the interactions I have and have come, people have come to know through it. So I had to hold on to that as best I could. Yeah, I think, you know, like Arla said, I find that really inspiring because yeah, you made you made a way to prioritize yourself and your health and serve the community. And what I'm hearing you say, Arsha, is that as a result of um, of finding that way, that you know you were able to build a community online and build connections in other ways that were unexpected. That as things kind of begin to open up now, it's as if you have a, another means or another solution and service that you can offer in your business. Yes, I do. Um, yeah, I, I mean, who, who knew <laughs> that I would be coaching on, on Zoom in, in group atmosphere? And we, yeah, I, we created, I, I will say we, because um, the members helped and it's a, it's a small group, but we've gone through the COVID journey together and we have a, and the great thing is I, I know some of them personally, like I've either coached them when I lived in Kauai or, you know, coached them here and they moved to another Island. There's another gentleman who, who I started coaching. He's in um, Eastern Washington. And then uh, I also have a client in California. And so it's just, we're on this texting thread and we check up, you know, they check up with each other. We share, you know, oh my gosh, my so-and-so got an accident today. And, you know, we, you know, somebody's another, one of my clients, she's getting her house remodeled. Another one's buying a house. So it's like, just share it. They share the news with, with the group. And it's great because we've created, I didn't think it could be done. I mean, I never imagined it wouldn't be necessary, but yeah, created this very tight knit uh, fitness group. Yeah. It's great. I, I hear them. you building adver- um, community in the face of adversity, Arsha. I think that's amazing. Thank you. It's been, it's been a, it's been a blast. And uh, yeah, they're like part of my family. 
we're like little, little fitness family. That's incredible. Um, I know, you know, I'm lucky enough to have uh, Arsha in my local community. And so I know people that have worked with her. And um, I actually did a CrossFit class um, that she was a part of as a coach. And I was just so inspired. And I think that one of the things that really sets you apart and why we invited you to come on to the Body Positivity Podcast is because you so authentically and vulnerably share your stories and where you come from and it, you know your experiences and and it allows people in in a way that most trainers don't thanks yeah i yeah i'm kind of an open book <laughs> but no i like to i like to share because i've been where a lot of people have been we all start somewhere in the gym right or with nutrition we all have a starting place and man i you know I grew up around, my mom was a bodybuilder. I grew up in the gym. She was always at the gym. Like this leg day was only a half an hour. I was so happy because I wanted to be, be at the gym around a half an hour. Then we had like, she had her chest and back day, which seemed like forever that I was at the gym for like an hour and 15 minutes or two hours. And then she had to learn like her triceps, biceps, and I can, was it forearms, <laughs> arm day <laughs> or shoulders. Yes. Yeah. And, um, that was like an, ex- so it was like, I, I grew up in the gym and, but I hated exercise, believe it or not. Like if, if my younger self would have known what my, what would have happened when I turned 40, it would have been a really interesting experience. I'm sure I would have laughed and been like, you know, shut the front door. That's never going to happen. And then I started, you know, exercising and doing that, but I never really, um, you know, I started going to the gym, a regular fitness gym. I got a job at a gym and that was great. I made coffee and lattes and sport drinks and, um, it was great. And it wasn't, you know, I just kind of went through the motions walking on the treadmill and looking at the television. I don't, I don't really know if I ever really broke a sweat. I was just kind of more there just to move and, you know, meet friends, <laughs> our friends where we go, I go with my mom. But you know, when I walked into the gym, the CrossFit gym, I thought I knew how to squat. I thought I knew how to do this. And I realized, oh my gosh, I didn't, I've been doing this all wrong. <laughs> like for, for 15 years, I've been doing so many things wrong. And so it was just really neat to be, it's very humbling. Um, it was very humbling to walk in on a Saturday and do my very first class, which was free. And I just was so excited and to learn all these new things and see like, wow, my body can actually do that. Like, okay, I'm, this is really cool. And so, or, you know, my body can't do this. (laughs) Well, you know, asking your coach, well, how can I get it? So I can do this, you know, and it's just sharing those stories. And I always like have something where, you know, I love my, my, favorite people are the first timers. I love them because it's really scary to walk into one of those places and see what some of people at the CrossFit gym are doing, you know, bar muscle ups and, you know, walking on their hands and handstand pushups and stuff like that. And you're just like, what is happening (laughs) here? And it's just kind of like, you know, don't worry. There's a place here for you too. It'll, you know, there's a place for everybody. So don't, don't, don't worry. I got your back and we'll get through this together. I love that, Arsha. I hear you really wanting to, um, like, help people feel welcome 
and let them know that um, in a space that can seem intimidating that you know what that feels like um, to feel intimidated by it and that um, it's still something that they can find great benefit and really enjoy. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's cool. And I, what I also hear is that CrossFit is modifiable, which I think would surprise a lot of people that CrossFit yes. can actually be accessible to, you know, people of all different athletic ability. Yes, it's open to all shapes, sizes, big, small, um, tall, short, uh, you know, beginners. Um, the majority of us are not in the CrossFit games. That's a handful of people in reality. If you think of all the thousands of people around the world that do CrossFit and um, yeah, it, you know, from I've coached, I think one of my, my, my beginning journey was um, I got handed by my, um, the first gym that I ever tried CrossFit in and uh, Sam and Summer owned this great box in the jungle. We called it the jungle gym uh, in Kilauea, Kauai. And they had this class that was called the life class or CrossFit life. And then ended up getting switched to jungle life. But the majority of the women that were in there were over the age of 50. And, you know, you had like a 75 year old woman, like getting PRs on her deadlifts. And one of my clients, she's actually a client now, but I was coaching her there. She's a kidney transplantee and she started to do CrossFit and um, cause she wanted to go to the transplant games. Like there's these games for um, people that have had organ transplants. I had no idea that existed, but um, it was really cool when I found out, but like coaching these women was like the greatest gift. that. Uh, yeah. I was so happy when I got that class and I kind of got to take it on as my own, and at the same time, when we left uh, Kauai, it was probably one of the hardest things uh, to leave behind to say goodbye to those ladies. But um, yeah, it's accessible to anybody. That's amazing. And to think that CrossFit is so accessible to anyone that they have transplant games, that's pretty mind-blowing. I'm, I'm really well, well, CrossFit. CrossFit doesn't have transplant games, but there's something out there. It's kind of, you know, it's like the... Um, yeah, it's not CrossFit itself, but there's like a games or like a um, like an Olympics sort of thing wow. for people that have had transplants. And I had no idea there was anything like that in the world. That's of incredible. Course, yeah. <laughs> it's not every day you meet somebody that's had an organ transplant either. So I will say she's my first <laughs> that I've ever, well, to my knowledge that I've ever met. So That's fascinating. I mean, it sounds like also for them, just another way to build community and, and connect and like, um, I think that's really neat. Oh. So my question for you, Arsha, is what is one tip that you would give to help, like that you use to kind of re reconnect to your body when you have those negative thinking patterns arise for you? I would say, when you say negative thinking patterns, I just want to make sure I'm clear where you just kind of have like that negative self-talk, like critic, is that what you're about? Like what you see in the mirror? Is that what you're? Yeah, specifically around your body. Okay. And your I would body image. I would say what I do that makes me feel good is movement, like uh, 
you know, doing a workout or something like that, then I'll be like, oh yeah, you know, my body's great. Or dancing when nobody's in the house with some. Yes. <laughs> so I've been on this thing lately where I like to tell Alexa to play uh, old or 90s hip hop and R&B. <laughs> <laughs> and so I cleaned the house and I'm like singing all the words to Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and just moving my body. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. And I would say dance. Yeah. Dancing is another one. I don't think we dance enough. I feel like, you, you know, there aren't a lot of clubs here um, in on the big island to my knowledge. So I feel like dancing, but you don't need a club to dance. You can just, you know, do it in your house. So I, I yeah, I love music, music and dancing and acting goofy. Like goofy dancing, all you know, busting out like the old school, like Roger Rabbit or something. Uh, to my music, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of been my thing lately. Yeah, I'm all about that. I'm definitely a huge fan of dance, and the goofier, the better. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely yeah. my style. Yes. Yeah. I I completely agree. I have a totally mad sprinkler move. It's like unparalleled. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. That's great. <laughs> I love that. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. Well, um, you know, one of our other questions for guests that come on our podcast is what are some of the body image expectations or societal norms? that you feel are expected of you and how do you break out of those um, expectations? Yeah. You know, um, that's a really interesting question. So it's a really long answer. <laughs> you know, the societal norm when I was growing up, I think for me, like growing up, the word that I always heard, the things I always heard were, you know, don't eat that. If you eat that, it's going to make you fat. If you eat this, it's going to make you fat, you know, stop eating so much candy, stop eating so many donuts, you know, it's going to make you fat. Um, so for me, that hearing that was, it made it seem like that could be the worst possible thing that would ever happen to me. And it wasn't, and I think the weird thing like, is that nobody just ever said you shouldn't eat that. It's not good for you. I think that would have, it's a totally different message, right? Don't eat McDonald's. It's not good for you that would have been a different message than don't eat, you know, this is going to make you fat. So I think for a long time, I heard that. And in society, we kind of heard that a lot. And, you know, models went from being a size six to being a size zero. And so then you had this expectation of, um, at least I did, you know, I was a size zero in my twenties. I worked really hard at not eating to be a size, size zero. And I got tons of compliments about it, but I felt like crap. I was unhealthy. I was always um, starving. I was always hungry, um, but I fit into a size zero and I looked really cute. And so then here I am, you know, I get arthritis and I walk into a gym and I, my biggest fear was like, I don't want to get bulky and muscular doing CrossFit. Cause you know, I don't want to look like a CrossFit games girl. And um I don't think that could ever happen. I, really, I, that takes a lot of training. But and so now what I realize is what my body I can do with my body now not being a skinny girl and a size zero, there's no way I would have broke myself if I would have done well, I wouldn't even have the strength because I don't even think I don't know if I had any muscles, you know, 
Uh, like I said, I was just walking on the treadmill and wearing cute, you know, exercise gear at the gym, just kind of looking the part. But that's kind of where I am with society's norms is the cost of being that side. It's not fun. And the, and the fear of, you know, and the guilt that you feel like of eating a donut, because you're always hearing that little voice in your head, like, don't eat that, you're going to get fat. Um, instead of like, you know, Arsha, just choose better food. Like, <laughs> why didn't somebody just tell me, hey, Arsha, just choose better food instead of trying to be the skinny girl who eats 12 donuts a day. Like, it was just such weird um, messaging. But I think it's, I, I feel like it's changing. I, I, I do. I feel like it's, we're starting to talk about, you know, not being, no restrictive dieting, you know, stop don't wait so long in between meals, you know, feed yourself. Starving's not good. I mean, food keeps us alive, you know, put the magazines down, put the magazines down. It's not real. Most of that's airbrushing anyway. And you're, you're never going to look like that. They don't look like that when they're walking down the street. And so put the magazine down and um, don't try to be the girl in the airbrush picture. <laughs> yeah. You know, I really loved what you said about the societal norm that we hear of like, you know, don't eat that, it's going to make you fat. If you eat that, it's going to make you fat, you know, donuts, candy, like all those different things. Yeah, because it does make it seem as if like being fat is the worst possible thing. Like, and it, it stokes fear around that and mm -hmm. stigmatizes that um, as if there's as if there's some form of like judgment that can be placed on that versus saying something like, yeah, a donut is not necessarily the most nutritious thing. Yes. Um, you know, like when we yeah. assign value to body sizes and also to foods, it's it's something that can be, uh, that can end up being much more detrimental to us. Where, yeah, like, I mean, if you eat the donut and you don't have any shame about it, that's one thing, but to eat that donut and eat it in shame, you know, like exactly. that's, that's a different thing. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I ate a lot of shameful donuts <laughs> in my 20s. <laughs> and I don't eat shameful donuts now because I eat them differently. Yes. And it's more of a of a treat now instead of like I'm a bad person. Yeah, it's just so it's so different. It's just and I, you know, just I think personal growth and this life journey and realizing, you know, if you keep if you keep thinking of this as like the worst possible thing that can happen to you. Like I, you know, I thinking that me being gaining weight or me getting fat would be the worst possible thing to me. It could be worse than getting cancer. Like that's how I was like thinking in my mind, like the worst thing in the world would be for me to get fat. No, it wasn't. It's not the worst thing in the world. There's so many, <laughs> so many like, getting in a car accident, you know, losing my legs, like, there's so many things, but you know, I didn't, I wasn't, I was taught that mindset. It was taught to me. So, you know, through media and just things in the magazines and, you know, I, like I said, I grew up, uh, my mom was really into fitness. So, yeah. you know, I'm sure she probably didn't do it, but that was her own like projection. Right. So, and her own like uh, dealings with her own thoughts of her own body image. But, you know, we project sometimes things onto our children. So, yeah. But now I know, you know, candy, a candy bar is not going to make me fat. It's going to make me feel probably kind of yucky. It's got so much sugar in it. But it's not going to make me fat. Yeah. And having meat on my bones 
is better than having none at all. <laughs> so, Well, and I can say as a, a plus size person, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, I've been plus size for most of my life and really interesting how um, even, you know, in my life today, I will in, on occasion end up interacting with someone who's a smaller, you know, straight size person who will say something in regards to the possibility of them becoming fat and it and they're very derogatory towards that. And yet they're hanging out with me and like compliment the way that I look or compliment the way that I interact in the world or things like that. And it's like, there's some kind of disconnect, right? Yes. Between the physical embodiment of what a curvy quote unquote fat woman looks like and what a person that isn't that feels like it would be if they were that. And you know, when I was in high school and in college, I was severely anorexic and bulimic. And I um, got down under 200 pounds, which probably doesn't sound very small for me, but I'm a size 14 right now and I'm 270 pounds. So I was, you know, that's, that's a huge, you know, that's like a hundred pound weight difference. So it was, I was really, really, really thin for me, like sickly thin and very sick inside my body. And I didn't feel good. I felt way worse then than I do now. Or, or when I was 320 pounds, I felt way better at 320 pounds than I ever did at 170. Right. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting how we can all put meaning on a word um, and it's erroneous. It doesn't really, you know, meaning is erroneous. Well, and then here I am like a five foot two person and, you know, you know, you always want to be the taller girl because then you could buy pants that you don't have to hem or, you know, I wanted a little bit more booty. We always, I feel like it's, we always want something that we don't have. I'm, I think that's, but you know, that's part of this podcast, right? Is body positivity um, and how to just love what you got. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's a mic drop moment. What do you think, Diana? Just love what you got. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I think that's beautiful, Arsha. And I agree. It's, you know, when we, a lot about body positivity to me is, you know, loving what you have right now, not looking for it to change or be different to deserve love, but to understand that, yeah, like love what you got, like you said, Arsha. Awesome. So if you had one last closing thought for this podcast, for our here, our listeners to hear from you around how they could love their bodies more, what would you say? Well, put on your best dress or your best suit or your best whatever that is that you put that on and you're like damn i look good do that <laughs> make lunch in it i you know honestly i i started doing that during covid um lockdowns i remember my husband came in and he saw me i'm like standing behind the bar and i got some bright red lips on i was wearing a dress I had just did my nails. I had my hair all done. He's like, where are you going? I'm like, I'm making lunch <laughs> because <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's like, you look like you're going somewhere. I'm like, no, but it just, you know, there's something about when you put on your favorite something, whether your favorite red lips or today I'm pink, but 
um, whatever that your hat, your favorite hat, your favorite pair of shoes, whatever it is from head to toe, or, you know, maybe you got a manicure petty that day and you just, you just put it on and you're just like, yeah. And you look at yourself and you're like, yeah, I look good. And you just strut in it. It doesn't, you don't even have to go out of the house. You can lay in your bed and read a book, but yeah, if you put something on where you just look at yourself and you're like, hello, gorgeous or hello, handsome. If you're, if you're a man. Yeah. I hear you saying (laughs) to like, basically take care of yourself or or do something for yourself that really makes you feel good and whatever that piece of clothing or thing that you adorn that makes you feel that way. uh, Go for it. Yes. Yeah. I I think especially like moms, I'm a mom of two boys and you know, we might always have our hair up or being wearing our Lululemons and our sports bras and always kind of like, oh, you know, people are just always in workout attire. You might not, I know I wear it a lot, but you sometimes you just kind of feel like you're in a rut or maybe you're feeling kind of frumpy. Um, and when I, it doesn't even have to be anything formal. It might just be a nice sundress or um, like, I really like this tank top. <laughs> that was real nice before. But it just, you know, it just is like, oh, yeah. Like I'm still the same, but that, you know, it might make your body, make you love your body more. Cause it's, how to explain it. I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but you just appreciate your curves or appreciate your shoulders or, you know, you're just like, oh, wow, this really shows off my nice neckline or, you know, yeah. like that. I hear you finding and recognizing more of this strength and resilience throughout your body. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, just, just finding more of that and really appreciating what you've got. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Arsha, for joining Diana and I on the Body Positivity Podcast. We are so thrilled to have had you on and for you to share your unique experiences and your wisdom with all of our listeners. Thank you for having me. And I hope to see you ladies again. Yeah, Absolutely. absolutely. And well, thank you everyone for joining us today. And we'll see you next Wednesday to talk all about gender and body positivity.